Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. If you have your Bibles with you again, if you would turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 8, well actually uh, not simply beginning, but uh, surrounding a couple of messages here over the last couple of weeks out of that verse, Joshua 1.8, where the Lord is speaking to Joshua and says to him, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do all according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Nobody, I mentioned last week that nobody gets up every morning and tries to figure out how they can be a loser that day. We all want to win. We all want to win, right? In, in, in the words of Nacho Libre, I want to win, right? We all want to be winners. But nowhere does success matter any more than it does in our spiritual lives. Not not in material things, not climbing the corporate ladder, not advancing in, in sports or athletics. Nowhere is your success more important than it is when it pertains to spiritual things. Now last week we started on this message, this two part message entitled Spiritual Success. And we highlighted that what really matters in life is not what you get in this life. Sure, we enjoy the blessings that we've been afforded in this life. And can I just share with you that poverty is not a form of righteousness. But we can't take any of the material blessings from this life with us into eternity. We're going to leave it all here. We're going to leave it all behind. And what's going to matter is have we lived our lives in such a way that when we stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we hear him say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of your Lord. So last week we shared with you a couple of keys to spiritual success, beginning with a commitment to Christ. That we need to be committed to, to Jesus, that there are a lot of people who languish in their walk with the Lord in their journey of faith because they're not really fully committed. Or maybe there's some people who are finding a hard time finding fulfillment in life because you have not yet yielded a commitment to Christ. The second component there that we looked at for spiritual success is that we need to stand and walk and operate in a confidence in Christ. Now let me tell you, At the onset of this message today, I'm going to share with you three more keys to spiritual success. But if we don't have these two in place, if they're not the foundation of our walk of faith, knowing who Jesus is, knowing who we are in Christ, and being fully committed to him, then we're never going to achieve the rest of these things. Because, here's here's the reason why, because we're going to lack vision and direction for our lives. We're, We're going to somehow along the way begin to feel like that life is all about us 
and what we need and what we want, and we're going to lose sight that this world is not our home, that we're just pilgrims passing through. We're on a journey that our lives have so much more purpose than what is witnessed to us in the natural, that there is, a, there is an eternal purpose that God has for each and every one of us. And we're going to fail to walk in that. And, and when we begin to feel like the life is about us, and we're, then we're not fully committed to Christ, and we're not walking in that confidence of Christ, then, then we're going to lack several of the things that I'm about to share with you this morning. And the things that I'm going to share with you this morning, if, sure, there's a, there's a tremendous benefit alone in committing to Christ and being confident in Christ. There's a tremendous benefit in those things, but when we begin to walk in faith in, with those things being our foundation, those things being at the bedrock of the road that we're walking, when we begin to walk in those things, we begin to exercise in some other areas, and as we exercise in those other areas, it unleashes blessing in our lives. It, uh, it opens up the windows of heaven over our lives and, and we begin to walk not only in the, in the, in the knowledge and the assurance and the confidence of who God is, but we will begin to walk in the blessing. How many of you want to walk in God's blessing and God's favor over your lives? Okay. Well, I want to jump in here with you. There's, I think there's notes on the back of your bulletin if you want to follow along with us this morning. We're going, to, we're going to jump in here. But after I have committed to Christ and I have found confidence in him, then a third component to spiritual success is that I need to then exercise a compassion like Christ's. I need to exercise a compassion like Christ. Now, I want to tell you something. This is an unlikely element in today's world. This is an unlikely element in today's world because, and this is the reason that I say that, there is so much in our society today, there is so much in the world today, there's so much media, there's so much garbage that is, that is floating around that the aim of it is, it may not be the news media's intent, it may not be any man's idea, but the adversary's purpose in that is to divide the people of God. When you come into this place, you've got to understand this. Understand, just raise your hand with me right now and say, Pastor, I promise to understand what you're about to say. Okay, all right, good. Thank you. Thank you for that understanding. When you come to the house of the Lord, a lot of times we come with a preconceived notion that the person sitting next to us, the person across the aisle from us, the person on the opposite side of the room from us, views life and sees every aspect of life exactly the same way that we do. We think that they share the same political points of view, that they're registered with the same party. Hello? That they live life exactly like we do? Can I tell you something? Your neighbor can have a different political preference and still be just as saved as you are. 
But there's so many things in this, in this world that are aimed at dividing us and tearing us apart that it makes it difficult for us to exercise and walk in compassion one to another. Because when I learn that you're different than me, when you don't look like me, when you don't think like me, when you disagree with me, Well, I get angry. I don't like you anymore. Right? I mean, you've seen that. I've, I've seen people just like over temporal things, stuff that a hundred years from now is not, it may matter in the world should the Lord tarry, but it's not going to matter in the lives of those individuals because a hundred years from now, hopefully they're going to be with Jesus. And all of the trouble and despair of this world is going to be a, a bygone memory. And he's going to have wiped all the tears from their eyes, and they're going to, but they can't get along here on earth. Now, this is the word of the Lord here. It, it accounts this of Jesus in Luke chapter 7. It says, now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said to her, do not weep. Matthew chapter 9 says this, verse 36, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. I want to ask you this morning, when you're driving down Greenville Boulevard and you're turning in at the Walmart and sitting there on the corner, is some straggled and dirty person. And they've got their little cardboard sign. And they've got their little sad face on, whether it's manufactured or real, I'm not going to venture. What do you think? What thoughts run through your mind? Do you think that if that sorry bum got up and got a job, he wouldn't have to be sitting there on the corner? Do you feel like you need to empty your wallet? And here's what I can tell you. A lot of times our thoughts about the matter are irrelevant. Because it doesn't matter if they're lazy. It doesn't matter if they are trying to manipulate some system. This is what I can tell you that a man who's willing to go and set in ragged, dirty clothes on the corner of the street and hold a sign, there's one thing that I can tell you about him. He's broken. He's broken. I don't know if he's trying to fool somebody or not. I don't know if he's trying to pull something over or not. But what I can tell you is that he is broken. 
Can I tell you, your friends that leave work every night and go and sit at the bar until they're so drunk they can't find their way home and they come back in the next day and they're talking about it at work and it's rubbing you raw and it's grating you all the wrong ways. Can I tell you, I don't know all of their life situation, but the one thing I can tell you about them is that they are broken. I don't need to have to diagnose them. How do you feel when you see that person in the convenience store and their hair's all matted and their clothes are a mess and their teeth are about to fall out because they're all methed out? I can't tell you everything that's wrong with them, but I can tell you this, they're broken and they need Jesus. And they need a compassionate man or woman of God to begin to prophesy to them and begin to speak life over them and to first and foremost care that in the end, it doesn't matter what they've done in their life, they are an eternal being that is created in the image of Almighty God and it grieves the heart of Jesus to see them in that condition. Jesus, as a man walking this earth, was, a, was an individual who was filled with compassion. I am fairly convinced that a large majority of the church in the United States of America would not like Jesus if he was a living human being right in this moment. He, he would be so contrary to their learned religion and their, and their organizations and, and different. It just wouldn't, you know, the, the, the grime and the dirt and the blood and the stains off his feet might mess up the carpet. I want to tell you something, if, if, dirty, if dirty people finding Jesus ever affects the status of our carpet, then let's just tear it out. I mean, let's put in a center drain and just have the concrete floor here so week after week we can just bleach it and wash it off. Because it's more important that people be finding what they need in Christ than it is that we have our neat, tidy little packages. Amen? Come on, somebody. See, let me tell you why compassion is, is such is an element of spiritual success. Is because the gift of God is, the grace of God is absolutely free to us. And when we're compassionate, it helps us identify with those who have not found Christ yet. It helps us remember from where we have been lifted from the point of despair that God found us. How many of you were not sinners when Jesus found you? Now, I almost got you. No, 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 no. How many of you, when, when the Holy Ghost came and began to deal with you and began to draw on your heart, how, how many of you, come on, come on, come on, Come on, how many of you did God go slumming for? Amen, he had to, he had to reach way down. He, he, he wasn't on the first step or the second step. Third. He had to get down here and pick you up out of the mire and the filth and raise you up and forgive you of stuff that you don't even deserve forgiveness from. You did it willfully. You did it. You acted like you were enjoying it at the time. But he forgave you of it. He picked you up. He cleansed you. He's established you. He set your feet on a rock. 
And I want to tell you something. There are many blessings that are contingent upon our obedience, and there are times when our obedience is determined by our compassion. I dare say that there are a great number of blessings that God would pour out on his people today if we didn't hold with clenched fists so tightly those things that he's already given us, if we were moved by compassion to bless those who have not. And if we're going to be poised to receive from the Lord, there are times when it will be required of us that we give in his name. Now, I'm not talking about necessarily monetary donations, but I mean give ourselves, give our time. Give what has already been given to us so freely, and that is grace. Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 31, read this way, and it says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. You want me to tell you about your enemies? You want me to tell you about those who hate you? You want me to tell you about those who curse you? They're broken. They're broken. Sister, that that lady that stabbed you in the back of the office, she's broken. Sir, that man that stepped on you at the workplace just to get to where he was going, he's broken. Be compassionate. Extend forgiveness. Give love. Open your heart. Now, this is, this is how far the compassion of Christ extends. Now, I told you we had to have compassion like Christ. This is how far it extends. Pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. Mm, whoo, mm. That's a hard... Brother Wayne, it's a hard text. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, don't withhold the tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do them to them likewise. This is how far it extends. How liberating it must be to view others as Christ does. We, we don't judge. We don't second-guess every motive and intent of another. We don't become enraged at another's ignorance. We, don't, we learn how to celebrate their successes. We learn how to extend grace in their weaknesses. We simply treat everyone the way that we'd like to be treated. And Jesus continues, Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. And judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you again. Church, this is the fruit of compassion. This is the fruit of compassion, and it's a key to great spiritual blessing in your life. The second element here I want to share with you today is cooperation with Christ. Oh my goodness. I don't know if I got time for this one or not. But there's another one after this, so just bear with me. 
We, we not only need to commit to Christ. Listen to me, church. I want to settle down here for just a second. I want you to hear what I'm saying. We not only need to commit to Christ, but we need to commit to cooperate with Christ. We not only need to commit to Christ, but we need to commit to cooperate with Christ. How many of you find that difficult sometimes when the Lord is moving in your life in ways that you don't particularly favor or appreciate? We find it hard to cooperate with God. Let me just ask you this morning, by show of hands, how many of you believe that God is in control of your life? How many of you lay awake at night worrying about the things that are going on in your life? Bound up with tension? Drowning in despair? Can I tell you that that God knows where you are? He understands what you're going through. And the best thing you can do right now is cooperate with him. I don't know what he's trying to work out in you. I don't know what he's trying to do in you, what he's trying to perform through you, but just cooperate with him. Let me, let me offer this to you today. There will be times in your life where it will be necessary for you to cooperate with God in order to make it through to the other side. Now, I love, I love how we sometimes take what God has said and we make it to say what we want it to say. Miss Evelyn, you've, you've ever been through a hard time? I know you have, honey. Yeah. And, and all the counselors, they come around and they, and they pat you on the hand and they say, it's all right. God won't put anything more on you than you can bear. Right? And you feel the spirit of slap come all over you, right? right? I mean, you go tell that to somebody else. That ain't what I want to hear when I'm facing difficulty, right? Okay. But we, we tell that to people. And can I, that's not what Scripture says. You say, wait, wait, hang on, wait a minute. It is too. What it, it is what it says. But it says it in the context of temptation. That he's not going to allow you to be tempted more than you can bear. But I want to tell you something, children of God. You're going to walk through things in this life that are going to crush you. God doesn't want you walking around in the kind of arrogance that you feel like you can handle life all by yourself. And you're going to find yourself in situations and times that the load is too heavy, the weight is too great to bear, and you're going to have to run to the rock that is higher than you are, and you're going to have to cling on him and depend on him to be able to make it through without being destroyed. You will walk through things that will crush you. You're going you're gonna to be somewhere ugly crying and asking God why you're dealing with frustration that is beyond your wildest imagination and how did you ever end up in the place that you're in? You're going to get so low that sometimes you don't even want to go on living. 
You're going to walk through things in this life that will make you question everything about your life. And can I tell you, there's only one way out. And there's only one way to success. There's only one way to overcome, and that is to get in step with the Spirit of the Lord. And say, God, I don't know why I'm walking through this, but I know that you're working all things for my good. And I'm going to come out on the other side of this stronger than the way that I went in it. You're going to be like Paul, and you're going to have to declare, I'm pressed on every side, yet not crushed. I'm perplexed, but not in despair. I'm persecuted, but not abandoned. I'm struck down, but I'm not destroyed, because with the help and the strength of Almighty God, I'm going through to the other side, and I will emerge victorious in Jesus' name. Wherever you are right now, I didn't say it was a good place, and I'm not even necessarily celebrating it with you, but I encourage you to walk in cooperation with the Spirit of the Lord for your life and find success. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to be all right. It's ugly right now, but you're going to make it. It's hard right now. It is excruciatingly painful right now. But you walk in step with the Spirit of God and He's going to lead you through it. The psalmist said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because I'm walking in cooperation with my Lord. The resurrected Savior inquired of Saul and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads and there's some times in our lives and I don't have time to get into all the context of that statement but it sounds painful, doesn't it? There's some times in life when we find ourselves in situations that we struggle so hard against the circumstance that we hurt our own selves when if we were just yielding and giving up and giving it to God And just saying, God, I don't know what this is all about, but I want to walk in and work in cooperation with you to bring about whatever it is that you're trying to bring about in me. We would find it a lot easier of a road. We don't don't have time to unravel all that, but sometimes we just become so insolent towards God. We become rebellious. We, We bow up and we scotch our feet and we dig in our heels. There may be times that the Lord's leading us to a to a chastening. And we just, well, it's like, I used to sit in church. I was about the size of this little guy over here beside of Ashley. and I kind of had the wiggles. And My mom would say something to me that I never did understand. She said, if you don't sit down, you better. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sometimes when we're frustrated, we say things that aren't necessarily logical, you know. If you don't sit down, you better. But buddy, when she grabbed my little frame by the wrist and started leading me out of that room, I knew what you better was all about. (laughs) I knew that I was going out back, and if I could come in and sit down, I'd be a happy individual. You know what I'm talking about. And boy, here we go. My little wrist was stuck out here and mama was dragging it. My heels were about six inches out here in front of my wrist. 
I didn't want, I wasn't even walking. I was just kind of bouncing along with my heels dug in. She was pulling me. Sometimes that's the way we go through life. God's trying to lead us places. God's trying to take us through some things and we're just, we're just bumping along. We don't, we don't want to go. I know it hurts. I know it's painful. But if you'll just have confidence in who he is and who you are in him. Just say, God, I don't understand this, but I trust you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm tired of bumping my heels. (laughs) I want to walk with you. As big as the mountain looks that's in front of you, there is no work too great for the believer who walks in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. But Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men it is impossible, but with God all things are impossible. The operative statement there is with God. Paul speaks from experience and says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The operative phrase there is through Christ. I've got to walk in conjunction, in cooperation with him. And finally, the third and final thing is this, and that is we have to have contentment through Christ. Discontentment prevails in in today's world. It seems as though much in our world is just aimed at making you dissatisfied with what you have and wanting what you don't. When he was asked how much was enough, J.D. Rockefeller, who was arguably the richest man on the planet at that point in his life, uh, replied and said, just a little bit more. You see, what is it that we really want? Most of the time it's the things that we don't have. We, we live in a world where everything seems better on the other side of the fence. We want the newer model. We want the latest body style. We want the newest version and the latest upgrade. But how often do we forfeit the blessing of God for lesser things, trying to fill a God-shaped void with world-shaped objects? And the end result is disappointment and heartache and despair. To tell the truth, if contentment were a tangible item, its worth would be immeasurable. You see, one of the prevailing items in the news that comes across our screens and fills our papers every day, there's even an app on your phone for it. It bears witness to the condition of the stock market. And it tells you what's up and what's down. It tells you about gains and losses. <laughs> Can I tell you that, that the word addresses gains and losses as well? It says, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? And there's another place where it speaks about gains, and, it, and it's, it's Paul addressing his young, Timothy, his young protege, Timothy, against the power and the effect of greed And he adds these words, now godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Now backing up from that previous statement in in Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes concerning a page from his own life and he says this, 
Not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. To rest in Jesus wherever I am. No man has ever been richer than the man who has learned to live in contentment with what he has. Nobody's ever been richer. The person who has found contentment is an individual who has found that success doesn't always meet the world's standards, but has truly come from knowing and following Christ. And you say, wait a minute, Pastor. I come in here every week, and you stand up there in that pulpit, and you talk to me, and you tell me that there's more, that God has more. God has more for me. God has things that are exceeding my imagination that we need to go after God and we need to seek. We need to pursue what God has for us. Well, let me tell you this. You do need to pursue. But I'm telling you to be content. I'm not asking you to be complacent. And there's a big difference between contentment and complacency and you need to understand that, child of God. Contentment desires more, but it's always thankful for what it's got. Complacency just becomes so comfortable with what it's got that you don't desire anything more. And I'm telling you as a believer, that's a dangerous place to be because there's no neutral with God. You're either moving forward or you're going backwards, but you're not standing still. You're, you're like a branch that just got cut off. If you think you're standing still, you're like a branch just got lopped off a tree. Your leaves are still green. You think you're living, but you're dead. You're just as dead as a stick that is bare of its leaves and brittle. You just don't know it yet. But a content person is a thankful person. A content person can still run after the dreams and the visions that God has given them without living in the anxiousness of what they don't yet have. I encourage you today that there is no higher aspiration that you could have for your life than to be spiritually successful and to build your life on those principles of seeking first the kingdom of God. First thing, seek you first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to you. Spiritual success is primary. John prayed for the believers and said this, I pray in all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Spiritual success is your primary goal in this life because other types of success aren't going to matter after this life is over. All that's going to matter is where were you with Jesus? We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.